Welcome back to another podcast, the Blake Street Irregulars, your Colorado Rockies podcast. And this has been a pretty fun season thus far. It's getting even better. My name is Sean Drotar. You can follow me at Twitter at SDrotar. And this podcast, as all of them, all of the Blake Street Irregulars, brought to you by Tap. 14, the rooftop beer garden, just a stone's throw from the home plate entrance at Coors Field. They're at 1920 Blake Street on the roof of Haters & Co. They have 70 Colorado draft beers, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, a fresh menu that's that's refreshed seasonally. Chef Taylor Creedon does a great job there, and boy, did they have views. Everything Colorado is there. Everything you order comes from Colorado. I'm just happy that they haven't charged me rent yet. And we'll be there uh, later this month and recording live on the premises. So come on down later and say hi. Visit them at tap14.com and uh, enjoy the view because summer is coming. But today we have a terrific guest on the podcast as we try to keep it in our Mile High Sports family when possible because, well, we all work together and we know who's sitting out there at the Rockies games and who's not. So with us today, uh, you will hear him along with his co-host Ryan Edwards. I know that guy from yeah, that's your some, ex. some show from some <laughs> other station somewhere in town. I, I I can't recall at the moment, but uh, he has tweets Danny on Twitter. You can hear him at Mile High Sports immediately following. Well, my show with Nate Lundy from seven to nine. He is on from nine to eleven, and with the Associated Press. So this is a guy I like. I like talking to fellow writers yeah danny williams how are you doing i'm good sean how are you buddy thanks for having me man oh absolutely it's it's good like i said i always love talking to 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 fellow writers a little bit because then we can use words with more syllables correct always fun for me i enjoy that part as we record this on Thursday, the Colorado Rockies have taken two of three from the Chicago Cubs, and they did it in a fashion that maybe not a lot of people expected. They started three rookie pitchers in the series, Antonio Senzatella, Kyle Freeland, and Herman Marquez. Now, in Freeland's case, they ended up losing that game. Uh, one bad inning doomed Freeland. Not all of it is fault. Two errors in there. But the three rookie pitchers combined for a 2.25 ERA at home against the defending champs who, last time we saw them, mash everything. Yeah. This has to be something that when we look at the Rockies season, they're now uh, 22 and 13, their best ever start through 35 games. Yeah. It feels different probably because this talent, we haven't kind of seen this in the Rockies rotation from homegrown guys yeah. in a very long time and maybe never all hitting simultaneously. They're, they're doing, it feels different because it's based off of pitching. You know, they're, the 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 success is because of the success of of the pitching both the starting pitching and the relief pitching and the offense has been kind of just the complement or just enough so it's kind of you know it while we're all expecting maybe some kind of fallout a little bit here and while the Rockies are used to these fast starts um it just feels differently and I think I kind of know why um Bud Black, we could all say, well, it's how he's managing the team and those things are kind of easy and almost generic to say but he's his influence is like oozing out onto all of these guys instilling confidence in these young guys and he what he does and what I've seen him do is he has conversations with his own guys he doesn't go and tell them well, this is what you need to work on this is what you need to do he goes and talks to the guys builds a relationship and they kind of together work out um, whatever an issue may be with some of these young guys or try to build off of something that's happening with some of the veteran guys Bud Black is um He's been really special. Yeah, and I think part of that even 
kind of stems from the fact that Walt Weiss, uh, with his in, relative inexperience coming in, obviously a, a longtime player and a guy with a terrific career in baseball, including his time with the Rockies, but not a lot of experience. Bud Black comes into this team with a lot more experience, and no, his record wasn't, say, as impressive as, say, Jim Leland when he briefly was manager of the Rockies, but he brings something to the equation that we haven't seen, the experience in the last few years overall, and the fact he was a pitcher. And so it may be, though. It's a big part of it. It may be, maybe not Leland's, but Bochy's body of work before Bochy came to the Giants and became one of the greatest managers now maybe in baseball history. And that happens in all sports. Let's, where was Bill Belichick before he coached the, the yeah. Patriots? With the Jets? With yeah. the Browns? People forget that that ever happened. Sometimes when you have a chance to, to learn from the first gig and you go on to the second gig, you're a, a much better manager or coach or whatever it may be. In this yeah. case, uh, Bud Black seems to be pushing all the right buttons. Let's, let's stick with the pitching for a minute. What I'm seeing from him is uh, there are two things that work for me. One, a longer-term view. My complaint with Walt Weiss over the course of his time as a manager was primarily that he treated every game as if they were must-win situations. And while, to a certain extent, you like that idea, baseball with a 162-game season, there are times when you have to look at a game where they were, okay, you gave up five runs in the first inning. You say, this isn't our day. I'm not going to burn everybody trying to win this one. i got to throw it in the trash pile and starting in the next day. Bud Black manages yeah. that way. You just you said burn, and I was thinking when you were saying that was burnout. It's easy to burn out that way, and it's easy to start to grind in that fashion. And there's listen, Bud Black has this kind of cool, calm, and collected vibe where he's you know um, makes the media kind of love him a little bit. But at the same time, he almost commands this certain kind of respect. And you know, um, that it's every, that, that that can't be created. That kind of leadership, um, can, you know, only maybe few men and few guys have. And I think that. You, as a Major League Baseball team, you kind of wear the makeup of your manager. And what was Walt Weiss? Kind of a high-strung guy who is, you know, played to win um, on a Tuesday when maybe it even meant hurting you on a Wednesday or Thursday. Whereas Bud Black is, um, I mean, he's been a maestro. And, He's been and great. You think about the the guy that, it, it, in comparison to Weiss, guy he worked for for a long time, played under Tony Larusa, is, is known as a, a, a manager that was brilliant, but also made a lot of moves, played played the game with a lot oh, of yeah. moves. And Tactical. Walt Weiss did the same thing. In this case, he might have had fewer pieces than those great Larusa teams, either with the Cardinals or, or the A's. In this case with the Rockies, what I've been impressed with is not only all the things you've mentioned with Black, but the long leash, his understanding that these guys aren't going to get better. How do you know a pitcher is going to get through the tough times if you don't actually let him go through the tough times? Against the the Cubs in, in the, the win that happened yesterday, Marquez, who pitched one of, quite frankly, one of the best games that any Rockies pitcher's ever pitched at Coors Field, especially given the competition, yeah. he let him bat way late in the game and when he was asked about that before uh the game with a couple other times he gave basically the same answer for marquez the answer is i think he can still get us outs so why burn that bullpen out that the one at bat isn't going to make a difference to us with the, the lead necessarily we want the pitchers to go in and do what they can as long as they're not tired let them work their way through it and learn it and that means taking the occasional lumps kyle freeland's had a couple games like that where he's taken the lumps and bud black has basically left him in and said hey you know what? This was your problem. Let's see how you work through it. Well, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, what do maybe we take from the series against the Cubs? And for the very first time um, coming out of this series with all the young guys thrown for the Rockies, I got the first feeling of 2007 Rockies. And I don't mean the late October stretch, but I mean you're like 
wondering how was this happening with all of these young guys this shouldn't couldn't happen i mean I have to go back and remember of the um not just the ubaldos but the chassines and the corpuses uh but this is like uh not improbable but it's it, i don't know if it's sustainable either but i get a, a a thought that it could be because the bullpen it has a bunch of veteran guys and it's, I think has a bunch of leader guys and a bunch of character guys. So maybe that's if you're going to have some young pitching, you want it, the young, talented starting pitching who can be bailed out with a real veteran bullpen. Yeah, that's the move that I think is really interesting when you look at the Rockies. That I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think the, the young pitchers are going to sustain at this pace because eventually the league's going to catch up. And the second and third time they've seen them, they're going to hit them and, and it's going to happen. I think that Bud Black... One of the things that we've seen is that he's going to let that happen to a certain extent yeah. and say, guys, you know, this is what happens and, and let's let you fight through it. You've shown you can have success. So I, I'm interested to see how that bears out. I agree. It will not sustain at this pace. That's just not the way baseball yeah. works. There are good hitters out there. And after they've seen you once or twice, they'll start to figure things out. But the back end of that bullpen, what the Rockies have been building and, and uh, what a terrific move to get uh, Greg Holland. Obviously, that's that's a slam dunk move. It was a good gamble based on the uh, the injury coming back from Tommy John. It's worked out. The Rockies are trying not to overwork him, and he's been spectacular. He's been actually the best reliever in the National yeah. League, maybe the best reliever in baseball to this point. But the, the under-the-radar signing of Mike Dunn, who's been hurt for a little bit, also sets it up because what the Rockies are doing if you look for the last two AL champions, the Kansas City Royals and then the Cleveland Indians, the Royals ended up winning the whole thing uh, after losing it the year yeah. prior, and then the Indians lost last year. But the, the thing those teams have in common, and of course the Royals had Holland yeah. for some of that, is the fact that they basically shortened the game to about six innings. The, the, the Rockies get nine innings worth. Their opponents get six innings worth. Because whether through some combination of McGee and Ottavino yeah. or Dunn and Holland – you're basically shutting this this other team down without overtaxing them. Yeah. This seems to be the way that teams are trying to build their bullpen more and more, and the Rockies seem yeah. to have done it in remarkably short order. Kind of moreover of what you're saying is the there's maybe with the success of the Astros, Kansas City, some of these teams that have been down that have found their way back, not a blueprint, but you can go in one offseason, and we mentioned mentioned this on the show last year, you can go in one offseason and rebuild a bullpen. Pay money and rebuild a bullpen because there's teams who um, are not willing to pay a guy because he's just a relief arm and they're so invested in starting pitching, becomes expendable. There's a situation where guys get injured or coming back and have a lot to prove, and you can find them with value there. Trades can always be made for relief pitching. You can rebuild your relief part of your staff in one offseason and maybe not rebuild it, but invest in it. And what's that going to do? That's going to bail you out of games where your starting pitching you know, failed you, and it's going to keep you in games late. So... I mean, for maybe any team who's really down, that's the way I start the rebuild because it's a, an obtainable way to restart You know, your rebuilding plan and have success is by having a, a bullpen who's going to bail you out, sometimes in the fifth inning, sixth, seventh, and eighth, not just come in and shut it down in the in the eighth and ninth. And that provides a huge comfort level for young pitchers. Yeah. You have to think in the oh, mindset yeah. that, that as long as you can keep it close, these guys can shut it down. In this case, I've also thought the Rockies have had a, a long-time advantage in a bizarre sort of way, and bear with me on this, and I don't think anyone's really taken advantage of it until Breidich has in the last couple off-seasons. Pitchers that sign with Colorado don't necessarily need to have four pitches. 
because you don't worry about if they have a, a huge curveball. Yeah. They don't work as well no. at altitude. You don't worry about some of the off-speed things. But teams that are they're going after the top-tier, top-relieving talent, well, they want someone who can maybe pull out three, four different relief pitches. The Rockies can get away signing guys that have one or two really good pitches. Mm-hmm that they won't command the kind of salary that breaks the bank. So this is something they've exploited, and it's panned out terrifically. After six innings with the lead, the Rockies are 18-0 and 0 this year. Yeah. 9-0 and 0 in run, run, one-run games, which is uh, tied for the Major League lead with the Angels. But they're 9-0. and 0. The Angels are 9-7, and 7, and the Rockies last year in one-run games only won 12 all of last season. I like to get into not just say, God, well, God, like we said, he sure is managing this team well, but how? Why is this happening? What's the real reason for it? But to be a little bit kind of generic, we all know that hitting can be contagious. I think Bud Black has found a way to make this pitching contagious where it's going through all the staff here, oozing out, like we said, and no one wants to be the guy to let down or fail, or give up those couple runs in relief. And it seems like, I mean, go through it, look at the numbers. Everyone's kind of getting fed. Everyone's having success. I mean, there's a couple guys who, you know, um, you'd like to see uh, pitch a little better, but how can you complain? It's like, how can you complain? Uh, Cargo's getting bailed out right now to talk about the offense for a little bit because they're winning games and because he's making a couple plays defensively. If this team was a 500 team, Cargo would be on a 10-day right now. Cargo would be um, – but there's something to the camaraderie, the rhythm, and the chemistry that I think early in a season helps create the winning culture uh, that you can sustain late in the season. Especially That's all when being you're built young right now. and you're yeah, not they a don't big know money better. team. So yes. there's an us-against-the-world mentality yes. that, again, the, the Royals, the They're Indians, buying in. that kind of, yes. of mindset. It's not a, a Yankees-Red Sox-Dodgers-type mindset. Who The Dodgers come in this weekend, but I think that's a really good uh, the point on what you're talking about. And I think it's pretty interesting because you talked about uh, the offense. And yeah, the, there are challenges there. The, the bats have not come around for the Rockies at this point. They're th- they have an on-base percentage of 312. That's 12th in the National League. Yeah. That's not going to pan out. No. And the number that, that makes me concerned, and I've been watching this very, very carefully over the course of the, the season, is the, the Rockies' strikeout percentages are too high. As a matter of fact, uh, their, stri- their strikeouts right now, 307 as we sit today. That's fifth most in the league. Their walks are 14th most, second to last, which means that ratio, they're striking out basically three and a, roughly, for the math purposes, three and a half times for every walk. That is dead last in the NL. Plate discipline has to improve because we talk about eventually the pitchers aren't going to be dealing against the Cubs at a 2.25 ERA clip. They're going to have to round into form. And by doing that, you have to stop swinging for the fences. Everyone's expecting the offense to come into form because that's this franchise's bread and butter for all these years. And it probably will. Well... Probably, but, you but can't the more take it for granted. yeah, the more you wear the outfit and reputation of not getting it done offensively, the more you and the further into the season that you are that, I think you start to really become that. And then you know you rely on the good pitching, which is nice to uh, nice to do. But again, now you're not living up to your um, uh, offensive talent. They're they're more talented than they're uh, offensively than they're producing. But again, it's. Uh, um, I mean, you're nitpicking when the team's record is what it is. But I think you do want to look at the warning signs uh, because I think Rockies fans don't want to look at this winning percentage and think this is sustainable. Yeah. This is some 110 win team. Well, again, it's, it's not. It, it, they have some guys who are actually 
productive offensively right now, but it's not translating into runs. So if you're right, you brought the record up, but if they're 18 and 16, then maybe Trevor gets sent down to find the hole in the swing. Desmond plays short where we know he can. Reynolds gets to stay at first because he's the hottest hitter in baseball. Uh, or Cargo goes on to this new 10-day where it's not kind of a two-week, 15-day extended vacation, just the 10-day get right, go home and see the family thing. And then, you know, Desmond still plays and Reynolds still plays. If they Right now they have a luxury of winning despite, you know, the lack of production from a couple guys they're really counting on. But I don't know, should Bud Black be maybe a little more proactive and finding a way to get these guys right before the pitching you know starts to let down a little bit and they have to get some offense to carry him does does Carlos Gonzalez look and you mentioned the 10 day does he look like he's hurting is there something that seems to be wrong because we we look at the average and Trevor Story strikeout ratio is atrocious you're absolutely right for calling him out but Gonzalez isn't hitting much better and the truth is his on-base percentage is even lower than Trevor Story's I look at this two different ways one is I think Tulo's got the body of a 36 year old playing um you know he's 31 to 32 because of the wear and tear he's put on his body which we all love and appreciate and that's his bread and butter but if you look at Tulo's um stats over a career I think he averages like 95 games per season over a career I mean right. this is over a third of um his games every single year Cargo while he didn't play kind of as physical of a position in a, a, a gritty shortstop like like Tulo he you know, has given his body up a lot of times, whereas his 31, which he is, might be more like a 33 or 34. The Rockies fan in me, and again, you know, I'm it's I'm very blessed to be able to cover my teams here in the city that I grew up in. The the fan in me wants to say, oh no, Cargo's gonna have a Carlos Beltron like second half of his career. He's so talented, and it's, he's gonna uh, you know uh, have he's gonna be productive at 34, 35, 36. That's the kind of athlete he is. This is just a bad stretch. But I'm again, I'm trying to tell you, this is my team, my guy, wanting it to be that way. I don't know what's happening right now, but it feels terrible yeah there is something ah. that doesn't seem to be uh, right uh, obviously it hasn't taken him uh, he hasn't taken those struggles out of the field where in the final game of the Cubs series he you know laid out like superman yeah. in yeah, protecting yeah. marquez's no hitter at the time he's been defensively sterling and i think the list of top tier rockies right fielders over their entire history it, it, the list includes two people larry walker and carlos gonzalez yeah. and nobody else is even yes. all that close but with Gonzalez being a free agent after the year, with the fact that Desmond is now added and, and you're not taking Mark Reynolds off of first base anytime soon, at least not until things dramatically cool off, David Dahl may be inching towards a return. They have a real problem when he comes back. They really do. At what point do you look at someone like Gerardo Parra is not going to be someone that can be dealt because while he's actually bouncing back very nicely, yeah. and he's been very uh, flexible and been able to play any of the outfield positions plus first base. He'd have to stay hot. They'd have to take a little of the contract on the way out, and I don't know what you'd get in return for him. You'd but really the tradable just, guys yeah. in the outfield are Charlie Blackman, yes. who I don't think they're going to get rid right. of. He and makes there's three no, million bucks. Right. Well, and he's the best. Maybe Carlos Gonzalez, is it time to make that deal i never understood the blackman talk because he's maybe one of best ball single greatest values right and then he's also a guy because of his age maybe the you know the stigma where he came from and even the stigma of playing here will never be a 20 million guy his next contract's going to be for probably 13 14 15 which will be well worth it with this kind of production so uh back to cargo perfect world he gets right perfect world gets right the second half is really productive 
But people still going into free agency wonder what happened in that first half of the season, what he is now going into being 32. And remember, which, this, for this first half of the season has happened now three years ago. Yes, now. you're right. But he's also had a stre- you know these stretches of months where it's yeah, you know, for a single a month. Three he might be, 70 for yeah, a month. Yeah, like an MVP type of month. Right. But the inconsistency... You know that really really hurts these guys, and doesn't it's not hasn't hurt them yet. But I'd like to see you know in a perfect world, Cargo get hot, have a big second half, those numbers get right, and then they use that lack of production in the first half to maybe sign Cargo into some friendly deal at two or three more years where he can kind of finish his career here, but still have production and maybe be part of some kind of uh, winner here. This isn't so simple as necessarily the way it maybe was a year or two ago, where you consider trading someone like Gonzalez to maximize value in a rebuild. The rebuild appears to be more or less over. Now they are building. Yes. And there another contract looms very heavily on the horizon, and that's Nolan Arenado's. Nolan Arenado is going to be able, he's not going to get the Coors Field stigma. He's going to absolutely break the bank. He may have a contract uh, in the end when he hits free agency of a 275 to $300 million deal. Yeah. And he's under no, you know, he's under no rules whatsoever. We'd have to have to sign it with the Rockies. So the Rockies need to make sure if they want to keep Arnauto long term, and they absolutely should. They need to prove that they're committed to a winner, and that may mean. Remember how upset he was yeah. when they traded away Troy Tulowitzki. And the truth of the matter is, I understand what money they got under. I think you're hard pressed to say the team got demonstrably better. Yeah, especially when you look at Trevor Story's performance this year. Could you trade the other? anchor of this team and still tell Arenado that this team has gotten better and we're committed to winning. Oh. I'm not sure. This is where it's an interesting spot. Yeah. You, you watch the Denver Nuggets to keep it to switch over to basketball for a minute in town. Keep Danilo Gallinari, despite the fact he's going to opt out of his contract and become an unrestricted free agent, which means he's almost certainly gone. Yeah. They did that because they wanted to commit to making a run. Knowing that the long-term play, even more than Gonzalez is Arenado, if the Rockies decided to say, forget it, we're sticking with him, and, and if he chooses to leave, he leaves. Yeah. But we need to send the message to both our young guys and to our other veterans. We are in this to win it Th- now. This may sound not probable, but they should already know right now if he wants to be a lifer here at the market rate. If it costs you 300 to do it, that's just the reality of what um, stars make in this league. That's the price of fish at the market. And if they know they're not willing to, A, pony up, or B, they know this guy wants to be a Yankee or an Angel or something like, uh, you know, something uh, of a star from a big market, then they need to find a way to uh, try to turn him into a comparable player and or a 15-18 to game winner. I mean, he's one of these guys who you could cash in for almost anything. And again, if it sounds heinous, but if you know he's not going to be here long term, you can't roll the dice like that on a maybe. You have to cash out, even if it's 80 or 90 cents on the dollar, because he's your not only your future, your present, he's your everything. So Much uh, like the Tampa Bay raised it with David Price uh, a little while ago, even if, if you realize this isn't going to happen, you want to move him with a few years left oh God, yes. to maximize Listen, your The Tulo deal, even the year, that previous season of the Tulo deal, Sports Illustrated had the piece of he's having a two months like Babe Ruth had and whatever. It was year. Noah Syndergaard was yes. in the discussion yes, of that yes. trade with the and, Mets. And guys like who, Shelby Miller, who have come back crashing down to earth, but at the time was an all-star and a 15-plus game winner. So there was a time where 
Tulo's value was literally you can cash him in for anything, whether it be uh, a starting pitcher, two other comparable everyday players, a bunch of young, uh, freshly drafted guys. Instead, do you know what they did is they went down with the ship. They went down with the ship, cashed him out. They paid him to go away, took Reyes what was nothing but a headache and kind of an embarrassment for the franchise the way that played out. And they paid him to go away. Then they paid him to go away. And now what? Hoffman is what? A they, they, Really, they have nothing to show for a guy who, um, who just a previous season before they actually traded him could have commanded – um, almost anything they would have wanted in return. And dis- despite the fact that he is not the same player he used to be, the production would be higher than it was yeah. uh, they, for they Trevor Story long. as you of know, today. They, they truly waited till the you know the, the ship was going down. We'll see how Jeff Breidish handles that if it's different. But let's uh, as we wrap this up, let's take a look at the Dodgers series, which starts tonight. Uh, they won't be starting as many rookies. For the Rockies, it will yeah. be Anderson, Chatwood, and at the moment, Jordan Lyles will do the first game. Uh, three games of the series, Antonio Senzatello will return to close it. But they'll be facing Ryu Kershaw and Wood and then uh, uh, Urias, the, the very, very talented uh, young pitcher there, so Senzatello versus Urias to close it off. Yeah, The Rockies could cement a lead in the NL West or they could find themselves in second place by the end of the series. If it's the latter, what does that mean? Uh, here's what's scary is they're nine games over 500 right now. Say you go through the month and have a losing month and you're back now down to four or five games over 500, uh, which, you know, we're still talking about them being right there in the thick of it and competing. But then we get through June and June brings us back down to 500. What would that say? It feel like we were still competing over these last few, what would be now few months, but in reality it would be again a hot month and nothing other than that. So to me, you gotta kind of pace yourself. I love your stuff you talked about with Walt Weiss earlier. If you come out of this series, you know, two and two after maybe an emotional series and uh, uh, with the Cubs, um, I think you're okay. You can't get swept in series. Uh, but good teams never get swept in series. If they lose the first couple games in a series, they come back in that uh, last game and they get right. And then they build upon, um, you know, the start of what's hopefully a successful following series. So, you don't now. it's not like you have to go out there and win every series if you're the Rockies because L.A. is going to be there in the end. They're super talented. Um, but go out there um, and just try to build upon the reputation of – um, now we're in it. Do you, Ryan asked me today, what's it going to take for me to believe in them to where I'm really, truly emotionally invested? Because in the show, I say, hey, you know, in this town, don't not only spend your money on a loser, but don't even emotionally invest. I'm caught up now. You know, I'm all in on this team, but I don't know if I should be pumping the brakes a little bit um, where, you know, these fans here are. Uh, dying for a winner. Rocktober was special. It brought something out in the city that was, you know, only could be described as Broncos championship run like or esque. And um, is it sustainable? It's a big question. I don't know. I'm not sure, Sean. Well, they haven't been swept in a series yet. As a matter of fact, they've won eight of the 11 series yeah. they've had, and they've tied in the brief two game set with the Dodgers in, in mid April. But as you pointed out, the Rockies, uh, they have a terrific record in April 16 and 10. They're 6 and 3 thus far in May. They have never had a winning April and May in the same season. So after this Dodgers series, they will have a long road trip. These next few weeks are going to tell, and it will be exciting to keep staying with all of you, our listeners, as we do that. And uh, not only with the podcast, but we'll be able to do that out at Mile High Sports. You can listen to that as well, because uh, Ryan and Danny, and remember, follow him at Danny. 
tweets. Tweets uh, Danny. Or, I'm sorry, tweets You're Danny. Good. You're good. Tweets Danny at Twitter. I should have remembered that one, but I'm thinking uh, Danny tweets at tweets Danny. That's what it That's is. What it was. That's what it was. I had a, yeah, I was I was trying to be too clever for myself. Well, by you're half. a really smart guy, Sean. You can <laughs> you well, at least I can cover for myself. <laughs> uh, I'm an S Drotar, but you've listened to uh, uh, to Danny and Ryan uh, nine to eleven a.m. weekdays on uh, Mile High Sports. That's thirteen forty a.m. one zero four seven FM in Denver, or you can catch them on MileHighSports.com. And same as me with my partner Nate Lundy at seven to nine a.m. Or you can also so catch us on SB Nation Radio uh, nationally around the country. You'll run into that as well. So as we uh, close this one, we'll take a look at a big-time Dodger series. We'll be back with you uh, after that series to check back with the Rockies. And uh, in the meantime, while you're in town, there's a weekend series against the Dodgers. Go visit our sponsors at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, just around the way from Coors Field. You can stop there before. You can stop there after. You can do what I do and stop there both times. Uh, <laughs> Enjoy everything that's Colorado up there. All Colorado beers, all Colorado spirits, and a terrific, terrific meal and and the best views in town in my mind. It's my favorite uh, bar in downtown Denver, especially during baseball season. So visit them at tap14.com and and come visit me when you're down there before or after a game. Uh, For Danny Williams, thank you so much. My name is Sean Drotar. Thanks for having me. Anytime, and we'll be back with you. This is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. It's a 5280 Sports Network production.